Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 216. How much colder it had gotten in the last few hours. It felt too cold to snow now, aggressively cold. This was a bad winter. Hey, Wednesday. Both of the scams you were telling me about, the violin scam and the bishop one, the bishop and the cop, he hesitated, trying to form his thought, to bring it into focus. What of them? Then he said it. They're both two-man scams, one guy on each side. Did you used to have a partner? Did you used to have a partner? Shadow's breath came in clouds. He promised himself that when he got to Lakeside, he would spend some of his Christmas bonus on the warmest, thickest winter coat that money could buy. Yes, said Wednesday. Yes, I had a partner, a junior partner. But alas, those days are gone. There's the gas station, and there, unless my eye deceives me, is the bus. It was already signaling its turn into the parking lot. Your address is on the key, said Wednesday. If anyone asks, I am your uncle, and I shall be rejoicing in the unlikely name of Emerson Borson. Settle in in Lakeside, nephew Ainsel. I'll come for you within the week. We shall be traveling together, visiting the people I have to visit. In the meantime, keep your head down and stay out of trouble. My car, said Shadow. I'll take good care of it. Have a good time in Lakeside, said Wednesday. He thrust out his hand, and Shadow shook it. Wednesday's hand was colder than a corpse's. Jesus, said Shadow, you're cold. Then the sooner I am making the two-backed beast with a little hotsy-totsy lass from the restaurant in a back room of the Motel 6, the better. And he reached out his other hand and squeezed Shadow's shoulder. Shadow experienced a dizzying moment of double vision. He saw the grizzled man facing him, squeezing his shoulder, but he saw something else. So many winters, hundreds and hundreds of winters, and a gray man in a broad-brimmed hat, walking from settlement to settlement, leaning on his staff, staring in through windows at the firelight, at a joy and a burning life he would never be able to touch never be able to feel. Go, said Wednesday, his voice a reassuring growl. All is well, and all is well, and all shall be well. And that's our page. Here on the page is what I was just talking about. It's deep, cold winter. So all that gray was leading up to this. Neil lived in this neck of the U.S. for quite a few years, living, I think, a bit east of Minneapolis. Or was it west? Eh, just outside of Minneapolis for about a decade or so. I've never lived in... Minnesota, Wisconsin, the northern Midwest area, but I've heard a hell of a lot of nightmares about the winters in this part of the country, and it's one of the reasons I don't know that I'd ever be able to live in that area. I fucking hate winter, man. Shadow also makes a very cromulent observation here. The Griffs Wednesday mentioned are two-man scams, and Wednesday is not two men. Sure, he's friendly with Chernobog and Nancy, but not inseparable like a two-man con team might be. Wednesday acknowledges that he did indeed have another partner previously, specifically a junior partner, which indicates that Wednesday was the boss and could possibly be the reason why he works alone now. Some minor spoilers here, but Loki, of course, was his partner decades and decades ago. I don't know that we're ever given an idea of exactly how and when the partnership fell apart, but we do get some details much further on, so I'll hit the pause button on this topic for the time being. It does make me wonder, though, is Wednesday using Shadow as a means of training a new partner? Wednesday's name, as he and Mike Ainsel will be interacting, will be Emerson Borson, and that's an ugly mouthful of a name. Even Wednesday acknowledges it's unlikely. There could be a separate history on the name Borson that I'm not aware of, but in classic Wednesday fashion, it's also very much on the nose. Odin is known as Odin, Bor's son. Odin is Bor's son, so it would fit that Wednesday would take Borson as his name here. Emerson could be any number of things, but is likely a reference to Ymir, 
Ymir is the first sentient creature to come into being, and thus the father and also mother of both the Nine Worlds and of all the creatures that were to come later, Odin included. Wednesday is hiding in plain sight, as it were. I don't imagine it would take a huge leap to realize that Emerson Borson is actually Wednesday if the opposition were to make the connection, but it's almost too cocky, even for Wednesday. Wednesday promises he'll take good care of Shadow's car, and I wonder if this is the point that Shadow realizes that he's going to be completely at Wednesday's mercy. He's going to be in a rural town he's never heard of and is expected to live there and just wait for Wednesday to show up. It sounds like he could catch a greyhound out of town, but most small rural towns don't have much in the way of public transit for getting around the towns themselves. For better or worse, Shadow is going to be trapped in Lakeside, possibly for a while. When Wednesday and Shadow shake hands, Wednesday is described as cold as a corpse. Or is it colder than a corpse? I shouldn't have put my book down, but here we are. I wonder if this is a side effect of the rune magic he worked on the waitress. In other instances where Wednesday and Shadow shook hands, I don't remember it being described as a cold, corpse-like feeling, so perhaps? Also worth noting that Shadow would have a pretty good idea of the temperature of a corpse, given that his wife came back from the dead and kissed him. Oh, Laura, we haven't heard from you in a while. Shadow also seems to get a bit of an echo of duality he saw when he was in Wednesday's head after the carousel ride. But he gets more than visions this time. He also gets a feeling of vulnerability in old Odin, who realizes that he is apart from humanity. Though Wednesday seems to sense he's projecting an image and feeling and cuts Shadow off with a quote from a woman known as Lady Julian of Norwich, a religious hermit known as an anchoress. Not much is known about her, including her actual name, but her book, Revelations of Divine Love, is the earliest known example of a book written by a woman in the English language. She received a number of mystical visions in 1373 at age 30, and those became the manuscript for the book. In one vision, Jesus acknowledges that there will be sin in the world, but all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Wednesday's voice is described as reassuring as he speaks this line, so I think he realizes Shadow has received this vision. It definitely sounds like a large amount of loneliness and sadness is transmitted in that brief moment, and Shadow has shit he still has to do, and it wouldn't behoove him to be distracted by Wednesday's issues. This is one of those moments where we get a more vulnerable Wednesday, much like he was when Shadow was driving them to House on the Rock. Between the young girls and the various other future actions he takes, it's hard to like him, but sometimes Neil lifts the veil a bit and makes it a bit easier to sympathize with his position. A god all alone in America for hundreds and hundreds of years? Pitiable, for certain, but still a dangerous predator, as we've seen. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.